Holy shit, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to Fanboy with an Opinion, episode number 28th for September 4th. Today we're going to be talking about the last two DCAMU movies, which is Constantine City of Demons and Batman Hush. And then we're finally done. But first, I would like to take this opportunity to tell you all that it is with a heavy heart that I announce that next week's episode which is episode number 29, will be my last episode of Fanboy with an Opinion. I am taking an indefinite hiatus. Uh, I do not know what the history, what the future of the show will be, but I can tell you that I am not going to be doing it anymore after next week. So because of that... Because this is the second to last episode, I am going to run a contest. And it is going to be for a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. Now, Midtown Comics is a few comic book stores in the city, but they also have a website that is probably one of the best comic book websites, if not the best. You can buy tons of shit, and $25 will get you... They have a lot of sales, so it'll definitely get you a lot of shit. Now, I'm going to talk more about the contest at the end of the episode. But as for right now, we're going to start the the double feature of the last two DCAMU, DCAMU movies, starting with this uh, Constantine crap. So, first we're going to talk about this Constantine movie. It's called Constantine City of Demons. It came out in 2018. And technically, it's not really a movie. What it was, it was two episodes and a web series on the DC, I guess, Universe app, whatever. Fuck. Um, it's supposed to take place in the DC EAMU. It's also kind of supposed to... I it, It's confusing because it's not really supposed to take place in the Arrow universe, but it's the same actor who plays Constantine in the Arrow universe, so... Anyway, uh, spoiler alert, this was a big mess. Um, It starts off with a flashback uh, with Constantine in an insane asylum. And he's being visited by his friend Chaz. And so Constantine is plagued by this one scene of a woman, I'm sorry, of a girl, a little girl being fallen into a pit. And they show this one scene over and over and over. It's like, we get it. This is a problem for him. But we have to see it like five or six times. One thing I didn't mention was that this is a adaptation of a Constantine story called All His Engines, which came out in 2005. But it really does change a lot of things, not just from that particular story, but it combines elements from other or more from just Constantine's like past I'll get to that so we see him at the insane asylum and then it's kind of a flashback long story short when Constantine was in a punk band with his friend Chaz back in the day 80s whatever I don't know when it's supposed to be but back when he was younger there was a cult leader 
and the cult leader had his daughter, cult, the cult leader's daughter. He used his own daughter as a sacrifice. His daughter's name was Astra. And Constantine, while in this punk band, he had... He, he was kind of like an amateur occultist. And he thought that he could save the little girl by summoning a demon. And so the demon did in fact kill the cult leader and all the cult members, but also ended up killing innocent people. And then at the end took Astra to hell with him. And this is really John's fault. And John feels guilty about this for years. And this is why he's in an insane asylum and, Cut to modern day. And the story is told as the movie goes on. But might as well just tell it as it is. Because it's just stupid the way that they they recount it. Now already that's different from the books. Because Chaz was never in the, the punk band with him. The demon ends up killing like the other two members of the punk band and so Chaz was never in the punk band he didn't this whole thing with Astra is a very very strong part of Constantine's past because uh, again he's, he is constantly plagued by it because it is a mistake he made and he always lives with it and also the fact that uh, it kind of makes him jaded not that he, he was already jaded but it makes him like he doesn't like to connect with people. Because every time he connects with someone, he ends up hurting them in some way. And, and that's really the start of that. And that didn't happen until after his punk punk career. So already they're like blending things together. And that's not even a part of the graphic novel that this is based on. Or the, the comic book story this is based on. Anyway, cut to modern times. Chaz needs John's help. Who I realized watching this that John's initials were JC. Just like Jesus Christ. I'm sure that was not. I'm sure that was intentional. So Chaz needs uh, John's help. His daughter is in a coma. And John realizes that she's not just in a coma. Her soul is gone. And some, someone or something took her soul. So he goes to investigate. And a demon contacts him, who pretty much tells him, yeah, I'm the one who took the soul. And then gives him an address in Los Angeles. So then, Constantine ends up going to Los Angeles with Chaz. Chaz's wife, estranged wife, is with the hospital, in the hospital with the kid, while they go to try to save her soul. Help, well, bring back her soul. John gets help from this woman named the Nightmare Nurse. Such a dumb name. And she kind of helps protect the body while they go looking for the soul. Because later in the movie you see that like other demons are trying to take the body because it's soulless. It's kind of like free reign. like Whatever. So they go to LA. Um... Where the hell am I? Okay, so I didn't. I was so you know so far I didn't care for this change of like including Astra in this. 
I don't know. It doesn't make sense. So, I know, I understand it's supposed to be like, he screwed up with Ashra, and now he has a chance to, to redeem himself. And Ashra's like kind of the same age as Chaz's daughter is, and whatever. So, they go to uh, California, they go to this mansion, and it's really being run by this demon who's using the house to constantly, like, torture people, you know, torture people's souls, and you get to see a lot of the torture, and it really was, like, kind of pointless. To me, it was gratuitous violence for the sake of gratuitous violence, but whatever. Uh, this demon, Barul, who's got the, the kid's soul, basically says, I will give you back the soul if you help me get rid of some demons. So, apparently he wants to make like a new hell kind of thing. And there are these five demons that are stopping him. I don't know, it doesn't make sense. And then, so he wants Constantine's help to get rid of them. So, he kind of, you know, John kind of agrees... And at one point, there's a scene where there are these, like, hellhounds that are chasing John and Chaz as they're in a car. And they're supposed to be sent by other forces that don't want Barul to do what he's doing. But it makes no sense. There's, like, no connection. It's just a scene for, like, action. It really has nothing to do with the plot. And Constantine keeps seeing these people who have these, like, glowing eyes. And then, like, someone saves them who he doesn't know who he is. He later finds out, but it's, like, a part of those people that he keeps seeing in L.A. with these glowing eyes. Um, so then, of course, he, like, there's, like, nothing. After that, he goes back to Barul, which makes no sense. And they, they use this as an opportunity to tell you. That it's been two days. It's just a weird cutscene. It's just a cut to the next scene. Oh, it's been two days. And Constantine's trying to explain that he doesn't know. He can't get to these I don't know. It's pointless. But then Berul reveals himself to actually be another demon named Nergal. And Nergal is the one who took Astra. Like, why did you pretend to be another demon? Like, that... He kind of plays it off as like, well, I go by different names. Yeah, but you look like a completely... Like, he literally took this demon's skin off. Now, you gotta remember, this storyline that this is based off of, Nergal's not in it. Astra's not in it. None of that's in it. Uh, This demon Berul was in it. It's just them for them to, like, tie in... More Constantine history along with this sto- movie, which stupid. But this reveal just like makes no sense. It's just, and then Constantine meets this character named Angela, who's the collective consciousness of L.A., and those are the people with the the glowing eyes he keeps seeing that she's able to like enter anyone's body who lives in LA and she knows the whole history of LA because oh my god it is so dumb and then she ends up banging John in the like bathroom of a bar 
as she's telling him oh the history of LA and she keeps turning it to different people as she's banging him and it's like I'm the collective conscious of LA why why and then she's trying to help him so then John gets he finds this Aztec god I'm not saying his fucking name because it's one of those long names with Q's and U's and Z's and L's and I'm not doing that shit so he finds his Aztec god, who, it is, this fucking movie, or these two episodes, whatever the fuck you want to call them, is so goddamn convoluted. So he goes to his Aztec god, and he tells the Aztec god, help me with these five demons. And the Aztec god is like, weak, he's not weak, but he's like hungry, and who the fuck cares. And... He ends up helping John destroy these five demons. But in the meanwhile, John ends up destroying the Aztec God because he knows that the Aztec God wasn't really going to win in this fight. And he didn't want the Aztec God to survive. This fucking movie. Um... So he's like sending a demon to fight a demon, basically. He's, fight, he's sending an evil to fight another evil. Which is, the, the whole thing with Astra and the comics, and there was no cult, there was no like none of that shit. She was being possessed. I mean, plain and simple, she was being possessed. And he brought another demon, another evil to fight an evil. And he thought that that would, do, that would be enough. And then the, the, the stronger of the two evils... Wanted Astra. And that's it. I just feel like the whole Astra thing in this movie is just so over-stylized. And just so, like, dramatic. It's like, oh, there's a cult. And it was her father. It's just so stupid. But this whole, like, sending the Aztec god in to fight these other demons. Is kind of like what he did in the comics to Astra in the first place. So I just find it ironic, I guess. Um, the whole scene between the Aztec murdering these five demons just went on way too fucking long. And so, like, I was just so confused. And then I realized, okay, you wanted the Aztec god to get rid of these demons. And then he goes back to, uh, Nagal and says, hey, Nagal, I did it. I got rid of these demons. And then it turns out that Nagal has no intention of giving up the daughter's soul. And that he uses that as leverage to, he wants Constantine to work for him for good. And then Constantine finds out that this Angela character, this con- collective consciousness of Los Angeles bullshit, is involved. And she basically says to Constantine, like, we've got a deal, like, she's got a deal with... My head is fucking spinning just talking about this goddamn nonsense. She has a fucking uh, deal with Nergal, and he doesn't, like fuck up at Los Angeles and his torture business and uh, basically sacrificing one soul to save I guess millions and so Angela's okay with this the problem with this movie it's like deals within deals like so many secrets behind secrets deals within deals it just gets confusing so then of course you know Nagal lied to Constantine. And then that's it. Like, the other kind of like done or whatever. 
they're kind of like done and uh, whatever and uh Chaz is upset at Constantine for giving up and then he's like come on you can do it blah 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 and so Constantine comes up with this plan where like Nagal doesn't want he wants to have his own torture business in LA that's pretty much how you can sum it up and he doesn't want hell to be involved with it so Constantine makes him think that he's opening up the gates of hell and now Nagal's gonna have to deal with all the demons coming out of hell and ruining his business his like side job in LA I guess but then of course Nugal knows that Constantine doesn't have enough power to actually do that and Constantine was just faking it but it gets Nugal open for Constantine he says to Chaz you know you're willing to sacrifice anything to save your daughter and Chaz says sure mate you know because they're all British and Constantine gets his friend who was siding over the daughter's body to help so the two of them basically use Chaz and his wife's love for the daughter and they use it against Nergal because for demons love is like a cancer so it's it's literally riddling ridding his body with sores and blowing up his body like a cancer Nogal and in the process as he's dying Nogal says to Constantine help me and you could get the girl the girl's soul back and Constantine says we already got this girl's soul back and Nogal says no Astra I'll give you Astra's soul back and of course it's a way for him to clear his soul for the for the bad things that he's done but he says no uh because you know again lesser of two evils it's like he could save Nagal but then of course you'd have a demon running a torture business in LA but he's like no fuck it I've I'm already redeeming myself doing this so no so at the end of it Chaz is happy. They get the soul back to the daughter. Chaz is about to call his wife. And Constantine's like, ah, hold on, hold your... Hold the bricks there. Whatever that saying is. Hold hold your bricks. Hold hold your balls. Uh, ease yourself there, partner. So he tells Chaz that he used a curse. And curses need sacrifices. So he sacrificed his uh, Chaz's wife and Chaz's daughter's love for this curse. So basically, this is where it gets really, really confusing. Chaz's wife and his daughter no longer love Chaz. Not only do they not love him anymore, they don't remember him anymore. So Constantine used that to he used that to, to hurt Nagal. And he sacrificed their love to Nagal. So now Chaz is like upset because he tries to tell him they don't know who you are, they don't remember you, they don't love you. Which is interesting, but at the same time you think that they know who Chaz is, but it's just like a faint recollection. 
So you think that Chaz could reintroduce himself into their lives? And like, his kid knows she has a father. She just doesn't know her father. But, I mean, it seems like it could be somewhat rectified. But as Chaz starts to get upset, Constantino still tells him that I needed more, a little more extra oomph in this curse, and I also sacrificed our friendship. So they had been friends since they were kids, which I don't know if that was in the book. I don't think it was. Um, but he, he was like, I sacrificed our friendship. So you kind of know who I am, but all those memories of us growing up together are gone. And... As Chaz starts to get upset, he's like, wait, who are you? And so it's kind of like Men in Black thing. You kind of like use that neuralizer to like wipe out all the memories. And so he kind of gets upset, but then he's kind of like his brain is, his memory is cloudy. So he kind of just leaves. And it just makes like there's a picture that Constantine has of Chaz and his family. And then the family just start to disappear in the picture, like back to the future. That makes no sense. It makes no sense. Uh, you have all these memories of these people, and it's just, it's. I feel like it's a cop out to just say, oh, they don't remember you anymore. It's more than just memories. Memories are connected to other memories, and it's just difficult to just get rid of one strand and not affect other memories. And just be like, oh, they don't remember you anymore. And then they have a picture and the people disappear in the picture. Like, wouldn't it just the whole picture disappear? I mean, it's no goddamn sense. Um, time travel isn't magic. It's a science. And it doesn't exist. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. It's one thing to not remember them, not to love them, but to not remember them. I don't know. It just was, a, I just feel like it was a big cop-out. And like Chaz just kind of just goes wandering, um, wandering aimlessly, and then John decides to stay in California and L.A. And then he sees that Angela character again, who kind of helps Chaz walk away. I don't know; it makes no sense. This was a very fucking convoluted movie. I think the problem was it wasn't really a movie; it was a two, two episode thing. So they tried to. I guess stretch them out and put as much as they can. Um, I, you know, the, this the book, the storyline that this is based on, the comic book this is based on. None of that shit's in there. Him sacrificing uh, love or memories or friendship or any of that shit. I think it was just to show how. I what the fuck I'm showing. How much of a piece of shit Constantine can be, but also he can be a good person, but he'd be willing to sacrifice things to save other people, which is kind of like what he didn't do with Astra. I guess. I don't know. This really was, I would kind of say, like, I was extremely disappointed in this because I really like Constantine, or as the Brits call him, Constantine. I really liked the character, and he was in Justice League Dark, which I reviewed a bunch of episodes ago. I don't fucking remember. And that was fine. That was good. He was good in that. I liked the TV show. I liked his character. But this was just boring. 
I mean, boring, convoluted. I mean, I like multi-layer stories as much as the next dork, but this was just fucking dumb. I mean, out of a 10, I would give this a 4. This was probably one of the worst things I watched in the DCAMU. It was not entertaining at all. Most of the time, I was like, what the fuck's going on? I hope, um... I hope Batman Hush is a lot better. We'll see. Okay, now it's time to review the very last movie in the DCAMU, and that is Batman Hush. And I have a lot to say about the steaming pile of crap. I usually give myself 30 minutes to, or I have been giving myself 30 minutes time limit to talk about these movies, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do this in in 30 minutes. I have a lot to say. This came out in 2019, and it was based on a comic book from 2002 to 2003, Batman Hush. And this is considered one of the most beloved Batman stories. Uh, This came out, you know, early 2000s. It was written by Jeff Loeb and penciled by Jim Lee, and Jim Lee is considered one of the best artists of all time. Uh, he, his art is amazing in this book. I'm not always a big fan of Jim Lee. He's, you know, he's good. I understand why people love him, but this is definitely one of his best works. The story is very intricate. It deals with Batman. Somebody is plotting against Batman behind the scenes in the shadows. And they are using all of Batman's major villains in this plot. And for a long time, like, Batman doesn't know who it is. And it's, it's a big mystery for a while. And it's also who can do this? Who has the ability to bring all these major villains and to really fuck up Batman's day? And while that's happening, he is having a romance with Catwoman, who is uh, pretty much turned a new leaf at this point in, in her career. And so the whole thing has, you know, he tells Catwoman who he is and all his junk and introduces her into the family. So that happens in the comic. It's a really great comic, and they've decided to adapt it for the DCAMU. Which already I have problems with. Alright. Now, there's going to be major spoilers. Major spoilers because... Because whatever. So this is the fourth Batman standalone movie. Meaning this is the fourth movie where Batman is... I mean, he's been in the Justice League movies within the DCAMU. But this is the fourth time where it's just really about Batman. So, we get introduced pretty early on into the, into the movie... With a character named Thomas Elliot. And Thomas Elliot is established in the movie and, and in the comic that he was a friend of Bruce's and they grew up together. So before Hush, we had never heard of this guy before. Uh, which is already like makes your eyebrows raise. In the comic, we see a lot of flashbacks. We don't see any flashbacks in the movie with these two. And how close they were as kids. It's just mentioned. And so now, this Hush movie, we've already had the Bat family established. Okay? Uh, from previous movies. Batman's Rape Baby, Damien, 
uh, Batwoman, Nightwing, obviously. In this version of the DCEMU, he's only had two Robins. Dick and Damien. That's it. Whereas in the comics, he's had four. Up until this point. So that changes things a lot. And again, this is the DC AMU Bat family. There was also Lucius Fox's son that was mentioned in uh, Batman Bad Blood. So I'm, I was curious uh, watching this movie how these, all these characters are going to tie in to this Hush story. Because again, some of these characters were not in. Damien was not around. Batwoman was not around. Lucius Fox's boring son was not around. So it starts off with a kidnapping, and there's a little boy being kidnapped, Batman goes to intervene, and he's kidnapped by Bane. Now already this is a problem, because in the comic book, it's Killer Croc who kidnaps the boy, not Batman. Um, excuse me, not Bane. And this already doesn't make sense to me. Why would you change the characters? From an outsider point of view, it probably doesn't seem like makes that much of a difference. But then why do it? If it's not that big of a deal, then why change it? This Bane is different. He has the venom, which causes him to have roid rage. Uh, again, in the comic, it was Killer Croc. I really think this is a marketing thing. I think this is just... Um, for whatever reason, maybe Bane is more popular. Maybe Bane is more recognizable. But then again, Killer Croc was in Suicide Squad. And maybe they kind of want to stay away from that. I just feel like this isn't a story thing. This isn't a character thing. This is a marketing thing. There is a reason behind this. And the reason behind this is probably money. And so you're already changing the story. Because of what the studio wants, or because of what the what Warner Brothers wants, or whatever the deal is. There's no reason they should have been changed. There's no story, there's no reason for the story, it doesn't help the story move along, there's no reason for it. Already off to a bad start. Uh, when Batman rescues the kid, of course, the kid calls Bane an asshole. That's your one asshole per movie. Every single DC AMU movie has one asshole in every movie. Literally and figuratively. Batman gets, uh, he, um, what's it called? He, Lady Shiva shows up. Lady Shiva is an assassin. She's supposed to work for the League of Assassins, which was, Led by Rachel Ghoul, who's now dead. I'm kind of like, why is she here? But she explains to Batman that a Lazarus pit, which was the thing that kept Rachel Ghoul alive, has been broken into and somebody jerked off in it. I made that part up. So there's a whole thing with Catwoman. Catwoman steals the ransom. And, you know, she already established at this point that she's supposed to be kind of turned a leaf, uh, turned a new leaf, so it's kind of weird why she's doing this. She brings the money to Poison Ivy. Batman pers- uh, goes after her, and his line, his Batarang line, gets shot while he's swinging from building to building, which causes him to fall and gets hurt really badly. 
cranium, like skull fracture. We see the person shooting the gun, which is just ridiculous to me. Because it's already Hush. We already see it's his character named Hush. And he's, he says, Hush, Batman. And he's shooting the gun. It's like, I feel like it takes away from the mystery of who this person is. Because we're not supposed to see who shoots the gun. Because it's supposed to be like an element of mystery and surprise. But then you've already gotten rid of that because you already see what he looks like with uh, bandages around his head and shit. So, he falls. Um, He's going to be attacked by a bunch of hoodlums and criminals. And then Catwoman saves him. In the book, it's not Catwoman, which... Again, I don't know why they... I kind of understand why they switched the characters. Because in the comic book, it's a Huntress, and Huntress isn't in this DCAMU. Okay, whatever. But later on, we find out that Catwoman was being used by Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy has the ability to put people in trances. So if she's in a trance, why is she helping Batman? When her only goal was to take the money and give it to Poison Ivy. It could, didn't have to be Catwoman who saved him. It could have been Batwoman who's already been established in this DCAMU. But then after Catwoman saves him, Batgirl shows up. And for anyone who's been watching the DCAMU movies, your question might be, who the fuck is Batgirl? Because she's never been introduced in the DCAMU. There was one scene, post credit scene, where you see her... But she's never been introduced. Hey, you know who's been introduced? Batwoman. Why the fuck couldn't it have been Batwoman? Who, by the way, is never, is not once in this movie. You had a whole fucking movie, Bad Blood, to introduce her. And then you don't even use her when you can. That makes no fucking sense to me. The story structure in this movie is all shot to shit. It's like, you spend all this time... Establishing a character, and then when you can use her, you you use another character that hasn't been established. And this happens a lot. It, I mean, it doesn't really happen a lot, but the opposite happens a lot. So, Bruce gets hurt, and then of course he has to be saved by his friend Thomas Elliot, who's a brain surgeon, or brain surgeon and we see like uh amanda waller who's from suicide squad lex luther is in this movie two characters that were not in the original comic so these are nods these are little winks for you to remember hey remember waller's in the dc because we saw her a suicide squad movie lex is a wink wink he's in the DCAMU movie it was a, sort of established in the last movie that he's now a JLA member a Justice League member so it's okay to like cameo these two morons but you can't put a character who's been well established and then switch her with a character that we know nothing about makes no goddamn sense so Batman obviously he he survives and he Amanda Waller's in this because she's trying to take Bane obviously to a new version of Suicide Squad and maybe that's why they switched him with Croc uh, they they replaced Croc with him but I don't think so because Croc hasn't been in 
any of the DC movies. He wasn't in the Suicide Squad one. So he gets better and he tries to figure out, you know, who manipulated Catwoman and then finds out it's Bruce, well, Poison Ivy, who manipulated Poison Ivy, and then um, they find out that Poison Ivy's going, went to Metropolis. And at this point, Catwoman's working close with Batman. You know, because she's uh, explained to him that she was under the influence of Poison Ivy. So, they go to Metropolis. And they find an address for Poison Ivy. And the address has the name Triffids in it. So it's like 365 Triffids Avenue, whatever the fuck it is. So Triffids is a reference to a movie from the 60s. A monster movie from the 60s. And it's about killer plants. It's about killer plants eating people. And of course, they use that as a reference to a killer plant movie for poison, where Poison Ivy is staying. So it's this, oh, this clever little reference you put in there. But you couldn't fucking put established characters from other movies into the fucking story. Oh, we're so great. We're clever with this fucking reference. But you couldn't establish a good story structure? Anyway, they go to Metropolis. And of course, Batman already knows. Because he knows everything. Superman's involved. So we have the, the Superman and Lois are involved. And basically, long story short, Poison Ivy is manipulating Superman. So this is a great scene between um, Superman and Batman. And Batman says to Catwoman that Superman is a good person. But the difference is... I'm not a good person. It's like, oh, fuck you, Bruce. Who the fuck are you? Oh, you kidding. You don't kill. That is not the definition of not a good person. There's a double negative, but you know what I mean. So, he fights Superman. And in the comic, you know, he has like a ring with kryptonite on it. But in this, he's made like kryptonite brass knuckles with like pointy edges at them. Which, them fighting reminds me of the Dark Knight Returns. So they fight. Fight, fight, fight. Fight, fight, fight. And then... Batman basically gets Superman out of the trance. And um, there's also a cameo for Damien. Batman's right, baby. That, again, your cameos with these established characters... Why? So we could sit there and say, where's Damien? How come Damien? Well, where's Batwoman? So then, um, Catwoman's got this weird dilemma where she's also kind of canoodling with uh, Bruce as well as Batman. And at this point, she doesn't know they're the same person. I like, I will say one thing that I liked about this movie. I liked the way Batman and Catwoman's relationship was handled uh as it goes on eventually bruce tells her that she's batman he's batman and it's his moral thing because catwoman doesn't have the moral code that bats has and it comes up a lot Uh, it comes up a few times 
And it's also, there's a scene, so they're really getting into it hot and heavy. They're pretty much in a relationship at this point. She's staying at the Wayne Manor and stuff. And there's a scene where she wants them to go away. Where she says, like, we can go vacationing, whatever. And Hush is still out there. Now, at this point, Hush hasn't been around for a while. He hasn't made himself known. But she says, like, we can go away... But he's not going to. Batman's not going to give up fighting Gotham. And, you know, Catwoman kind of realizes that. That doesn't really make a wedge in their relationship, which it should. But it's still interesting to see that, like, she wants to live a life. And he's not going to. So at one point they go to the opera together. And Harley Quinn comes in the middle of the opera and she tries to hold everybody up rob everybody and then they they chase her and they find out that you know and then Tom and his friends Thomas is there and Thomas wants to help and all this junk and long story short you find out that uh, Batman goes into his back alley and he finds Thomas dead and shot and standing above him is the Joker with a gun So the Joker tries to explain to Batman in so many words that he didn't do this. But of course, Batman doesn't believe him at the moment and beats the shit out of him and almost murders him. Whereas, uh, what's his name? Uh, Commissioner Gordon has to come and stop Batman and all that shit. Previously, we saw Hush speaking to Harley Quinn and basically telling her, I kidnapped Joker, which is not in the comic. Because again, we're not really supposed to know who this person is. At one point, when they when they catch Poison Ivy after she manipulated Superman, she tells them his name, and it's like I just feel like this is this mystery has been blown to sh- you know, like shot to shit because of this movie. I'm reading the book, like, that's the whole point. It's just like, who's this hush, who's this hush? We don't even know what he looks like. But they've shown him so many times in the movie. It's just the... It's not suspenseful. So now, um... Bats' best friend that we've never heard of is dead. And uh, that makes Catwoman and Bruce Wayne grow closer... At this point, the movie starts to deviate a lot from the comic. And this is where things really start to turn. So I'd probably have to say, like, the third act, third, third, probably third act is when things really start to, to, There's a scene where, like, Batman and Catwoman have just finished having sex. And Catwoman rolls over and moans. Like, did we need that? Um... I've already said that Damien's not in the original story. Damien's barely in the movie. Like I said, he's just cameoed. Uh, let's see. Where the fuck am I? Uh, so the friend dies. Uh, okay, so he finds out... Batman finds out that Joker did not kill his best friend that we've never heard of before. Uh, the Riddler. He is trying to rob... You know, he's got like a 
van of money, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Batman stops him. Um, and Riddler, Riddler also kind of establishes to Batman that Hush was the one who got Riddler to do this robbery. So again, everyone, all these, these villains he's coming across back to back are all being either manipulated or kind of egged on by Hush. So, let's see what else. Uh, I mentioned that Batman and Catwoman, then they start to, uh, time goes on, nothing's been heard of from Hush. Um, Alright, so this is where it deviates and this is where it starts to get weird. So, Gordon calls Batman and says, look, your, your boy's Thomas, his office has been messed up. Um, maybe you want to come look at this. So Batman goes alone, and then Nightwing decides he's going to patrol the streets. Catwoman's like, hey, can I come with you? She's like, sure. So they start to have like a little heart-to-heart, which was nice. That was a nice scene. Because Catwoman mentions how Batman just doesn't open up. Duh, he's Batman. So, Batman goes to his best friend that we never heard of before, dead best friend that we never heard of before, his office, and he discovers that one of the patients he had was Arthur Wynn. And he realizes that... He, I don't even know how he really figures it out, but he figures out that who Arthur Wynn really is. As that's happening, Catwoman and Nightwing get a call. Well, they don't get a call, but they hear a, a call on the police radio that something's going down at a uh, graveyard. And they go, and they find out that one of the plots has been desecrated. The body's been dug up. And of course, it's Batman's dead best friend that we've never heard of before. And then they get attacked by Scarecrow. Yet another villain. As they're fighting, of course, he shoots out his fear toxin and blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. Catwoman defeats him and Nightwing gets hurt and she helps Nightwing, blah, blah. At this point, Batman realizes that this Arthur Wynn character is actually Riddler. And so him and uh, Commissioner Gordon go to Arkham to kind of interrogate Riddler. Catwoman gets knocked out after Nightwing leaves. She gets knocked out. We don't know who knocks her out. Boo. Duh. Batman has a conversation with Riddler. And Riddler tells him that he had a brain... There was something wrong with his brain. And he went to Thomas, the dead best friend that we've never heard of before. And Thomas couldn't help him. So Riddler was angry at him for that. And so then Riddler found a Lazarus pit. Which was a reference to the beginning of the movie. He goes into a Lazarus pit and he becomes reborn. And so... Batman starts to realize something. Oh, while Riddler's in the Lazarus pit, he figures out that Batman, who Batman really is. And 
he tells Batman that he formed a plan to include all these other villains to destroy both Bruce Wayne and Batman. At this point, Batman, you know, and now Riddler's about to, pretty much about to say who Batman is. And the Batman cuts his throat, revealing that it's not actually Riddler, but Clayface, pretending to be Riddler. So they, he, you know, he fights Clayface, blah, 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 blah. And then we see that Catwoman is being... It was basically kidnapped by Hush. So Hush has kidnapped Catwoman. He reveals himself to Catwoman. Catwoman is surprised. We don't see who it is. Batman goes and after he defeats Clayface, he goes to find try to find Catwoman. We now see that Hush has actually been Riddler the whole time. A jacked up Riddler because now he's jacked up on Lazarus Pit Juice. And he's got this really dumb fucking scar on his fucking forehead that's supposed to be representing of, you know, uh, Batman's uh, dead best friend that we've never heard of before had done the operation on his head, on his brain, and left this scar that looks exactly like a question mark on Riddler's forehead. Give me a fucking break. So fucking dumb. So then Batman deduces where Riddler is, goes to get Riddler. Riddler, they fight for like a really long fucking time. And Batman kind of, at the same time, Catwoman is on this thing. It's like a fucking dumb James Bond movie. Like he's, or one of those bad, you know, like Batman 60s episodes. She's on a thing and there's a thing and there's a thing under there. And if she falls, it will, the thing will kill her. And this is so stupid. And they're fighting and they're fucking fighting so long. And Batman tries to, Batman tries to like get under Riddler's skin by saying Riddler is like a seedless villain. And all this stuff. And, you know, Riddler knows who Batman is. And Riddler's trying... He's trying to, like, egg him on. And he's saying, uh, like, Riddler's Lazarus pit powers are are running out. Fighting, fighting, fighting. He's the Riddler starts to beat the shit out of Batman. Catwoman saves him. Uh, everything's falling apart around them. Because oh, that always happens. So, it looks like Riddler's almost about to die, and then Batman saves him, is going to save him, is in the process of saving him, and Catwoman's like, you know, just let him die. Everything's falling apart around them, and Batman's like, I can't do that. And so Catwoman cuts the line, like, you know, Batman's saving him with the Batarang, and she cuts the Batarang line, so uh, Riddler dies, and they get out of there. And this is an interesting part about their relationship, is that his code of not killing, she just doesn't see completely eye to eye with that. Because in this position, in this particular situation, Batman keeps saying, I could have saved him, I could have saved him. And Catwoman's like, you're fucking insane. So, you know, she says to him, this is going to kill you. Your code is going to kill you, ironically. Um, and, you know, she, she breaks it off with him and is just like, we're not ready. And so now Riddler's dead. Supposedly. 
convenient that he knows who Batman is and he's dead though. And then that's pretty much it. What a bunch of sh- crap. So everything I've told you, pretty much from the moment Catwoman and Batman have this romance, all of that is different in the book. It, the whole thing is different. Again, spoiler, Riddler's not Hush. It's actually Batman's dead best friend that we've never heard of before, Thomas. He's Hush. The dead body that we see when Thomas supposedly dies is actually Clayface. Thomas and Bruce have a long history together as kids. Thomas tried to kill his parents. And at, at a young age, he tried to kill his parents. His mother survived, and Bruce's father, who was a doctor, saved her. Thomas was upset by this, and kind of blamed Bruce. And so it's the fact that then Bruce's parents die, and so then he becomes like jealous of that. So I think he ends up killing his mom, but so he grows up hating Bruce, secretly. And he's done all this. But the twist at the end is, although Thomas is Hush, Riddler is actually the one who egged Thomas on to do this. He was in a Lazarus pit. He did have a brain. There was something wrong with his brain. He went into the Lazarus pit. He figured out, I don't know how, but he figured out how Batman's identity. He egged Thomas on to get revenge and to do all this other shit. There's a great scene. Riddler doesn't die. See, Riddler doesn't die. But there is a great scene between Riddler and Batman in Arkham. Where Riddler says to Batman, I know who you are. He gloats over it. He gloats over the fact that he now knows who Batman is. And Batman tries to say to him, you have this one piece of information that if people knew that you knew, they would come after you. And they would do anything to get it out of you. They're not going to give you money for it. They're going to torture the fuck out of you for it. This one piece of information that everyone wants and will do anything to get, you now have a target on your back. Once people know, you know. And that kind of shuts Riddler up because he realizes he's, he's right. Instead of being important, he now has a, he will have a target on his back. It's a great moment. It, it shows how... Batman is smarter, and how Riddler thinks he's manipulated the situation, but the Batman manipulates it even more. It's considered a great Batman moment, and they fucking ruined it, because they they make Riddler hush, and they make Riddler die. Just I have a problem with the DCAMU movies, whenever there's a villain, instead of establishing that villain... For future movies or whatever, they kill them off. They've killed off almost every main villain from every fucking movie. Except for Deathstroke, he allegedly dies and then comes back, but then allegedly dies again. That's not what the comics do. The comics keep these villains in their back pocket so they can use them again for the future. But they establish them in the DCAMU and it's like, oh, you see this badass villain? He's dead. 
It makes no fucking sense. They do this in almost every fucking movie. So they completely change the story. And I've said this before. These movies are not made for avid comic book fans. These are for people who kind of know who the characters are. But then again, you can kind of say that this was made for comic book fans because they didn't want to do exactly the same thing as the comic did. They changed the villain. They changed the outcome. I mean, maybe you're supposed to think that it's Thomas's best friend we've never heard of before. Because that could probably be a weak point that you could point out uh, about the comic. Is that it's just kind of obvious that it would be Thomas. Even though he does die. Quote unquote die in the. In the comic. And there are red herrings. There are things shown that maybe it's somebody else. Or maybe it's this person or whatever. And then you find out it is Thomas. But then really it's not Thomas. Because yes Thomas is hush. But Riddler was the one behind it. So you could have kept it. When you do an adaptation. People are going who've read the comics are going to know. So why now have you decided, hey, let's fuck with the comic book fans also? There's no goddamn... I mean, and so much other stuff is cut out from the comic because these characters are not a part of the DC anime. Like I said, this only has two Robins. Where in the comics there was four. And those two extra Robins that are not in the DCAMU are a part of the story. One of them being a Robin who had been dead. What else? Um, I think it changes the structure. And also the fact that Batman and, and Catwoman, they break up for different reasons in the comic. Now, I could argue that these were a little bit better reasons. The movie reasons were better. But in the comic, Batman just doesn't trust Catwoman fully. And they may think that, uh... Something, like, they... I don't know, I think they're kind of paranoid that their... Their... Romance that really went kind of quick. They kind of fell into it very quickly. Might have been enhanced by something... Maybe a poison ivy poison. Or maybe was manipulated by Hush on purpose. You know, because Hush wanted to destroy his personal life. And Catwoman sort of become a part of his personal life. So, shit like that. So they kind of are kind of uneasy about their relationship. And then they break up. I do not like this. I did not like this. I, I thought there were some changes in the beginning that weren't too bad, but then this just takes a completely, completely different turn. And it's just... I don't know what you want. Like, what Like what do they want? They want to make movies for comic book fans, or they don't want to make movies for comic book fans. They want to show you established characters from the DCMU, and then they don't want to show you established characters from the DCMU. It's like... I don't know. I'm going to have a roundup. And I'm, I want to rate these movies as like a list. Uh, spoiler alert. None of them are going to be that high. Because I have not really been impressed by the DCAMU. And, and I think one of the things I'm going to probably hit home more than once is that 
if you're going to have an established universe, don't do adaptations. Do your own stories. But again, this is a marketing thing. They want people to buy this because you're going to have people who said, hey, I read Hush. I want to see this as an adaptation. Or you're going to have people who say, oh, I've heard of Hush, but I've not read it, but I want to see this movie. If you just constantly do new stories, then it's just like the DC movies, live action movies. Just don't do, don't do, I'm like, I'm so against, I've been against this connected universe crap since I started watching this shit. Anyway, out of a 10, this is a 4.5. I'll have to look at the rest of my notes. But I think this is like one of the lower ones. Uh, this is definitely going to be the lower. I think I've hit my 30 minute mark. So I'm done. 4.5. Not good. Uh, I Read the comic. The comic is so much better. The art is better. The writing is better. The structure is better. Pretty much everything is better. Uh, some of the Catwoman-Batman relationship um, maybe was a little bit better in the movie. But, you know, they're not... Uh, Catwoman in the movie just seems so willing to change for Bruce. And so willing to just be there for him. And it just seems odd. It just seems a little out of character. And that's what's mentioned in the comic. Because I think Batman's a little paranoid about it. Because she's so willing to be a part of his life. That he kind of like... You know, Batman's a paranoid person to begin with. So he just kind of just doesn't... He's not completely comfortable with it. So, I do like the changes they made, but at the same time, it was fine. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Whatever. 4.5 out of 10. Suck balls. And that's going to do it for this week. Now, let's talk about this contest. So, this is what you're going to do. You're going to remember this word. Kryptonite. You learn how to spell it. Kryptonite. You email that word to gamerish537 at gmail.com. Gamerish537 at gmail.com. The first one to do so will win the $25 gift card for Midtown Comics. And I will then announce the winner in my last episode next week. So... Don't forget to join the Gamerish Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram, Gamerish underscore pod. Twitch, Gamerish underscore pod. And Twitter, Gamerish2, the number two. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Fanboy with an Opinion. Thank you for listening. And until my last episode, I have been a fanboy. And this has been my opinion. Don't forget to email that word, kryptonite.